Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So our special guest is Langa Mbonambi. is the founder and leader of We Will Worship, a worship movement that seeks to see communities worshiping God with everything in everything. He's passionate about seeing lives transformed through the message and the power of the gospel and as well as good ice cream. He's married, to, he's married to Nati, and together they have four children, Kumi, Hubo, Ziswe, and Inala. He currently serves as a pastor at Every Nation Rosebank in Johannesburg. So let us welcome Langa. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Are we good? Yeah, good evening. How are you? Dorado evening service. Yeah? Yes? Apparently this is the coolest service out of them all. Yeah? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is so good to be with you uh, this evening. I've, uh, I, I arrived here on Friday and I've spent some time with some of uh, the leaders and some of the guys involved in the worship ministry. It's, uh, it's been an amazing weekend and it's been actually my first time visiting Namibia. So, so I am super grateful for that opportunity. Um, I come from all the way from the great city of Johannesburg. I, uh, I come and bring greetings from, uh, from Pastor Roger and uh, Pastor Simon. I serve under Pastor Simon at uh, Every Nation in Rosebank. And uh, they've always spoken uh, well of, of this place. And so it's, it's awesome for me to, to be here and experience it for myself. Um, all right, I'm going to open up in prayer today before we get into sharing the word. Lord God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for everyone gathered here uh, this evening. We thank you that it's, it's your doing. And God, we pray that uh, tonight as we gather uh, under your word, thank you that you're already moving, even as we felt you and seen you and sensed you through the time of worship. God, continue to move by the power of your spirit. And we pray that you bless the preaching and the teaching of your word this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be uh, sharing about worship this evening. Uh, there, there is so much that can be said about worship, but uh, I, I hope I can just cover a little bit and uh, kind of kick you, kickstart you on your journey in learning a bit more about worship. Uh, just, I think, in, in, in keeping with pastor's tradition all over the world, if you're visiting a church, you need to show a picture of your family, because I don't want you guys to judge me. Hey, this guy, he didn't show us his family. So that is my family. Uh, that is my wife, Unati, and then uh, we've got two girls, two boys. The girls are firstborn and lastborn, uh, Kumi and Inala. Then we've got two boys in the middle, uh, Hubo and Zizwe. Um, so uh, my, my wife and I, we've been, uh, we just recently celebrated 10 years of marriage on the 1st of May. And... Uh, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great, and uh, we're grateful uh, to God for all that He's done in and through us. Uh, okay, worship, 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 worship. Uh, today we're going to look at a particular text. It comes out of Romans 12. It's a text that you probably know pretty well on worship, and we're going to kind of study this, this, uh, this scripture uh, over the course of this evening. 
right. Can we read it together? Romans 12, 1, and it reads, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans. And as it says there in the last line, we're talking about worship. And Apostle Paul says, this is your true and proper worship. What is he talking about? Offering our bodies as living sacrifices. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Now, Paul is writing from a particular context because he has an Old Testament background as well. So for us to kind of further understand what he's talking about here, we need to look at examples in the Old Testament. And so we're going to scroll back to Genesis 22, where we get one of the first times the scriptures actually mention the word worship. So in Genesis 21, we have Abraham and Sarah and his wife, Sarah, they've been trusting God for a child. They wait years upon years for this promise to come to pass, and God eventually gives them this promise in the son Isaac. And then life goes on, time goes on, and then in Genesis 22, the beginning of Genesis 22, it starts by saying, and God tested Abraham. And then you find that God visits Abraham in a dream, and he commands Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And he says, you will sacrifice him at the place that I will tell you to go to. And then in verse 5, you find Abraham walking with Isaac, turning to his servants and saying, my son and I are going to go up the mountain to worship. So God tells Abraham, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham's response is, I'm going to go up the mountain to worship. Worship and sacrifice are two inseparable things. In fact, the word that is used there for worship is the Hebrew word shakar, which means to... <laughs> Did someone repeat? I could hear shasha, shasha. <laughs> And it, it, it's a Hebrew word, and it means to kneel before, to bow down before, to lie prostrate before. And it would be something that, was, that would be done before a dignitary or royalty, or in this case, before a deity or God. And when this was done, when it was done before God, it would end up in a sacrifice. And the whole idea behind the word is simply this, is that it was an external expression of your internal posture. So you wanted to show God how much you loved him, how much you honored him, how much you worship him. And so something would happen externally to demonstrate what was happening internally. Worship is an external expression of your internal posture. And then again, if we came to worshiping God, it would end in a sacrifice. And when you ended it with a sacrifice, it was a means of saying, I want to draw nearer to you. So again, it's this idea of sacrifice. Now, we all know kind of what sacrifice is because it's still something that is in our language today. We use that. We'll say, uh, I sacrificed my lunch break to study, right? Or someone will say, I sacrificed something for someone else. In fact, like our parents reminded us all the time of how much 
they sacrifice for us, right? And now being a parent, I start to see that in myself as well. You know, and it reminds me, you know, growing up, it, it, it always seemed to be my mother would be the one that would, would remind me, you know, how much she has sacrificed. And uh, so when we, when, we'd, when we would come to Christmas time, so often we would get clothes instead of like, you know, big presents, right? Does anyone, yeah, get that thing, you get like a whole new clothes, new shirt, new shoes, you know, it's just like a, it's like a Christmas thing, you know, Christmas clothes. And um, so, you know, it's like Christmas and you, you have like your extended family there. It's a festive occasion, you know. You maybe go to church in the morning, then you come out and then it's like a big lunch. And then it's cousins and brothers that everyone's playing. And, you know, you still got this new shit on that your mama brought for you. And, uh, you know, you're a little kid. And inevitably, somewhere along the line, something happens to that shirt. Either like a button pops or it rips somewhere, you know. And then you encounter the wrath of the mother. And you get what I call the whipping by syllables. You know, that, do you know how much this cost me? <laughs> Anyone ever experienced that? <laughs> you know, and I think it was actually worse for, for us because my parents were Zulu and just Zulu words are longer. So it's just like, u, ngi, zu, ge, zi, le. But simply the idea behind a sacrifice is that it is something that is of value. It's, it's you give up something that you value for something or someone that you value. You give up something that you value for someone or something that you value. And the point of it is that it costs you something. That's why it's a sacrifice. Now, back in those days... When someone had to offer up a sacrifice, there was a particular process that they had to undergo. So one that would actually have to bring a sacrifice. So you couldn't come empty-handed. We always have to bring something, and something that costs us something. And so the, the most common uh, sacrifice that would be made in those days would be a lamb. Uh, a lamb was just something that was, you know, esteemed. And even today, I mean, if you look at prices, I don't know in this country, but I know in our country, you know, you have chicken here, you have beef here, and you have lamb. <laughs> lamb here, you know? Yeah, it's a special occasion thing, right? And uh, so you bring this lamb. And so you'd bring this lamb before a priest, and the priest would either be the leader of the home or the eldest male in the home, or would be a designated person, someone designated to be a priest, whether it's in the community or the tribe. And so you'd hand this offering or this lamb to them, and they would look at it and they would inspect us to make sure that it is without blame, it is without blemish, it is without wrinkle, it's without spot, that it is perfect. Remember, this is your offering of worship, right? And if it's your offering of worship, and we're saying worship is your external expression of your internal posture, then it really does matter what you offer. You can't bring an offering with defect. It's got to be without spot, without wrinkle, blameless. It's got to be perfect. And so he would inspect it. And if he found it to be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, perfect, 
then he would say, this is holy, pleasing, and acceptable to the Lord. And then it would be taken and then placed on an altar with a raging fire. That fire would consume that offering and smoke would go up. And that smoke would be called the sweet-smelling incense unto the Lord. And God would say, that is pleasing unto me. That's what a sacrifice was. And again, it was something that cost you something. All right, now let's go back to our text with with a bit more of that understanding. Back to Romans uh, 12, 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now we call to be a living sacrifice sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So true and proper worship is worship that is holy and pleasing to God. Worship that is holy and pleasing to God is offering your body as a living sacrifice. You offer your body as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. Your ability to lay down your body as a living sacrifice hangs and hinges on your view of God's mercy. If you have a correct understanding and view of God's mercy, you'll be able to correctly lay down your life or lay down your body, offer up your body as a living sacrifice. So it's in view of God's mercy. And Paul writes to brothers and sisters, and at the beginning of this verse, it starts with a therefore. Therefore, it means something has been said beforehand. Because for 11 chapters, Romans 1 to 11, Paul has been going on about God's mercy. So we get to a therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, do this. So let's go and see what Paul says in Romans 1 to 11, kind of give a bit of a, a, a summary of what he's saying for 11 chapters so that we can have a correct or a better understanding of God's mercy. Romans 1. So this is a, a scripture that we, we probably have read or come across. Uh, it's a common one, and so it reads, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul says in this gospel that he is not ashamed of, there's this thing called the righteousness of God that has been revealed. What is the righteousness of God? Righteousness is a very simple concept. It is right relationship or right standing with God. Right relationship, right standing with God. All right, so I, I want us to, I want to demonstrate a bit about what this kind of gospel message is about. So I'm going to ask uh, Brother Mark here, could you come up please? Sister Shelter. Ha. All right. So this is, this is the righteousness of God. 
This right here. This is right relationship, right standing with God. Right. So what happened is that God had a relationship with man. Man was in right standing and had a righteous relationship with God. And God said to man, if you eat of the fruit uh, of the tree of good and evil, death and sin will enter. And man and Adam disobeyed God. And what happened? Death and sin and death entered. And as a result of that, man lost righteous standing with God. He lost that right relationship with God. And so if this is God's righteousness, man went sideways. Are you with me? And so as a result of Adam's disobedience, everyone that is born after Adam inherits what is called the sinful nature, which is a propensity to sin. You are born into sin. In fact, Paul writes about this in Romans 3, and he says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he further writes and says, There is none righteous, not even one. So you're born in the red. This is God's righteousness. You're born here. Okay. So now this is just a demonstration. I'm going to use apples. I just want to let you know that we don't know what fruit it was that they ate. I know people usually use apples. Leave apples alone, okay? You can eat apples. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with them. All right. Okay. So we have two people here. <laughs> Okay, so we're talking about this is, this, is, this is righteousness here, right? And here's the place of unrighteousness, okay. So we have Shelter. Shelter's been a busy lady. So she's carrying many apples. All right. And she's, what you could say, a bit further away from the righteousness here. Are you with me? All right. And we have Mark, one apple kind of guy. So shelter would represent the people that we would consider to be the, the most immoral in society. So your pimps, your prostitutes, your thieves, your, your murderers. That's who she represents. She's, you know, she's packing a lot of apples there. Right? So, you know the interesting thing about people in shelter's corner is that they are aware that they are far from God. They recognize because of the things that they've done that, man, they are far from God, and they feel really unrighteous, and they feel, man, you know what? God will have nothing to do with me. There's that, that awareness of their condition. Whereas we come to Mark here. Mark... You know, Mark is, a, Mark is a good guy. You know, Mark always makes sure that he has change for the car guards. You know, he's that kind of guy. Mark, maybe like he, he volunteers at a soup kitchen, you know, something like that. Mark, Mark shows up at church, you know, especially Easter, like he will never me- miss an Easter service. You know, Mark, Mark, you know, he's just a guy who smiles. You know, no matter what happens, he's just, 
And, and generally, you know, Mark is a good guy, right? He's a good guy. And, and Mark feels, you know what, but I am a good guy. You know, I am a good guy, I do good things, you know? And, uh, and especially, you know, when he looks at someone like Shelter. You know, he really feels like, listen, listen, like, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but come on, like, you know? And, and as a result of that, you know, Mark feels like, you know, like, because I'm a good guy, I think God and I are good. God and I are tight. And uh, so in, in, the, in the midst of all this, as much as God, uh, uh, Mark may feel he's kind of closer, he's, he's kind of closer to this righteousness, we need to actually really look at this gap. Because there's still a gap here, right? And sometimes we don't, fully kind of understand what this gap means and what this gap represents. And so by way of kind of example, I want, I want to hopefully give us a little bit of perspective. So there was this incident that happened uh, end of last year in, in South Africa where we had in a Dross uh, restaurant, Dross or Spur, uh, we had a, there was a guy, it was about a 23-year-old guy who raped a seven-year-old girl in the bathrooms of a dross. Raped a seven-year-old girl in the bathroom of the dross. And, I mean, it's just a horrible thing, you know? And it was something that, that honestly just shook our nation. Um, I know I was shaken by that because I have a seven-year-old girl. And just that thought is just, I didn't even know what to do with it. And because we have social media, people comment on all sorts of things. And, uh, and for us as a nation, we, it was one of the few times where there was a, 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 a one voice around one issue in our nation, and people commenting. And there was this, naturally, this kind of rage around this crime, and people just commenting about it, and people angry about it, and people were saying, this guy needs to be shamed. And he was shamed, actually. People got his, his home address, his work address. They found out who his girlfriend was, and they put it up on social media. People said, you know, this guy needs to be taken, dragged out into the street and beaten. People were saying, actually, we need to bring back the capital punishment in our country so that we could deal with guys like this so they can get executed. And there was like... Like the whole rage of the nation, the anger of the nation, this righteous indignation of the whole kind of nation bearing down on this one guy. And understandably so, because of the heinousness of the crime. I mean, it was horrible. It's horrible. And I can even see by your faces that, man, there's just like, you know? But I want you to take, take what you feel, maybe rage, maybe anger, whatever it is. Take that, that feeling, and let's place it here. Multiply it by infinity, and we still don't get anywhere to near describing God's wrath against us. In fact, Paul writes about it in Romans 5, and he says, we were at war with God. We were enemies of God, at enmity with God. There was nothing good about it. 
No matter how righteous or good you thought you were, there was nothing good. But God, in His mercy, in His mercy, sent Jesus Christ, who came to live the life that we were supposed to live. He lived a life that was blameless, that was spotless, that was without wrinkle. It was perfect. He was shamed. He was beaten. He was executed on our behalf. He died. He rose again, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then in Romans 10, Paul writes, If we confess with our mouths and believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved. What are we saved from? The wrath of God. So this is what Jesus does. He steps into our story, steps into our world. To those that put his faith, their faith in him, he comes and he takes away their sin. And he says... Through the work of the cross, crossover. And so, not only that, not only are we forgiven, but as Paul writes, we then inherit God's righteousness. Righteousness. By faith. It comes by faith. Well... Can we give them a hand? We'll release them. I'm pretty pretty confident Mark has crossed over. (laughs) But that is what Paul is talking about. So let's go back now to our main text in Romans 12. Romans 12.1. So now you kind of read it with a different voice. Now it's, all, it's like Paul is saying, Therefore I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what He has done, in view of what He has saved us from and what He has saved us for, in view of that, offer your bodies up as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. This is proper worship. Other translation, it says, this is your true and reasonable act of worship. It says, in view of God's mercy, the logical thing to do is offer up your body as a living sacrifice. When you see and understand what God has done for you, what He has saved you from, and what He saved you for, what you will naturally do is offer up your body as a living sacrifice. So we need to hold that and grow in our understanding of what God has done for us so we can respond accordingly and offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. And unlike in the Old Testament where a sacrifice would be done on a particular day, we're called to do it day by day by day by day. Why? Because we are living sacrifices. While we have breath in our lungs, we're called to sacrifice. Lay our lives down on the altar. Wake up every day. God, not my will, but your will be done. 
from the rising of the sun to the setting. Another day comes. God, not my will be done. Yours be done, God. Another day comes. Jump on the altar again. God, not my will be done, but yours be done. Offer up every part of my being unto God. That's what God is calling us to. And as Paul says, this is our true and proper worship. That's what worship is. Now, we no longer have to offer up animal sacrifices. Jesus was the final sacrifice. His sacrifice was enough because he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. He was the perfect sacrifice. The one that was blameless, spotless, without wrinkle. Perfect. And he was enough. But as believers, there are sacrifices, though, that we are called to bring before the Lord. And the writer of Hebrews shows us what those sacrifices are. So we go to Hebrews 13. And it says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly confess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Remember when a sacrifice is laid on the altar and the smoke goes up and God says, this is pleasing. And so the writer is saying, these are the things that we lay on the altar and that are pleasing to God. And so let's look at these things. The first one is the fruit of lips. The fruit of lips. When we gather here on a Sunday or whenever it is that believers gather, we come and one of the things that we do is that we sing songs. Now we sing songs not just to entertain us, but we sing songs as a means of giving God the fruit of our lips. This is how we worship God. We use our mouths. We use our bodies. We don't just lift hands and jump and kneel just because it's a Christian thing to do, but we do it because this is our external expression of our internal posture. And so we need to be mindful when we're singing songs what it is that we're doing. We're bringing sacrifices of praise to God. We need to be mindful of what we're singing. You know, often in songs, you'll see lyrics like, um, we shout, we shout your praise. And I always look to see in the room, are we shouting his praise? In songs, you'll see lyrics like, we bow down before you. And I look to see, are we actually bowing down? Or are we bowing down in our hearts? It's just a challenge. You know, are they just words that we're singing? Or are they things that we're actually expressing and doing? And these are the things that God has said we, we need to offer up to Him. And, and here's the thing, guys, is that, you know, we all at, at different places in our journey in worshiping God. For some people, it's easy just to come into the space and, you know, raise hands. For some people, it's easy to bow down. You know, for others, it's still a challenge. Even to kind of, you know, sing out loud and, 
and, uh, and raise your voice. But I want to encourage you. Remember I said a sa- sacrifice is, is, uh, is um, giving up something of value for someone or something that is of value. Right? So it's something that costs you something. And so we need to be constantly pushing, pushing past the discomfort and recognizing that we're here to bring a sacrifice to God, which means it's not always going to be comfortable. You're not always going to want to do it, but it's a sacrifice. And that's what God is looking for. So I want to encourage us to to push on, to press in, to go further. Second thing is that it says, do not forget to do good. Do not forget to do good. Now, now when we encounter the gospel and we've been saved through the power of the gospel, we become righteous, right? So what happens after that is that we're called to do righteous deeds and righteous works as those who are righteous. We don't do deeds and works in order to be righteous. We do them because we are righteous. But we need to learn and know what a righteous life looks like. And Scripture gives us direction on how we can figure that out and find that out. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it reads, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture. And then it says that the man of God may be complete, equipped, For every good work. So how do we grow in righteousness? By studying the word of God. There's no other way. And so when when churches and, and, and we as leaders in the church say, Hey, come to a Bible study. Come to a connect group. Come to equip training. It's not because we, we think you don't have anything better to do with your day. It's creating an opportunity for you to be equipped in righteousness so that you can do the, right, the works of righteousness that God has set for you to do. And so I want to encourage you to make, grab a hold of every opportunity you get to learn, to grow in your understanding of God's word because you're growing in your understanding of who you are called to be as one who walks out in righteousness. And the final thing is to share with others. To share with others. That's that's part of of what we're called to do as believers. And 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 these are the sacrifices of praise we're supposed to bring. We're supposed to sacrifice, make sacrifices for one another. That is pleasing to God. Right? And look, I, I know this church is generous. People here, you know, give. People faithfully give. But I want to put this to you, is that all gifts are good, but not all gifts are sacrifices. All gifts are good, but not all gifts are sacrifices. And I know we are taught to give out of our abundance, but we also need to learn to give sacrificially. 
I encourage us all to budget. To budget, whether you do a monthly budget, an annual budget, a weekly budget, to budget. But in your budgeting, make room to be inconvenienced financially by someone in this community. I encourage us all to have schedules. Plan your days, plan your weeks, plan your year. But I encourage you all, while you're doing that, is to make room for that phone call someone will give you at an inconvenient time where they may, may need you to come over when you have other plans. Make room to say, I'm going to lay these plans down and make a sacrifice for my brother or sister. That's what it means to share with others. And this is what we see in the book of Acts in the early church is that people got a hold of this gospel message or the message got a hold of them and they decided to give everything up for the community that they were in. Why? Because they had a fresh view and understanding of God's mercy. Share with others. So why do we worship? Why do we do what we do? Simple, it goes back to Romans 12.1, in view of God's mercy, because of what He has done. The appropriate thing for us to do is to worship Him. Worship Him not just in song, not just in words, not just in what we do here on Sunday, but with our very beings, with our whole bodies. That's what worship is. And that's what God is looking for. That's what the church is supposed to be, is people just on fire for God. People on an altar for God, day in, day out, saying, God, your will be done, not mine. Amen? Can we stand together and pray? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your spirit that is here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here in our midst. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are called to um, remind us of truth. You're called to release truth in, in this space. We pray that our hearts would be open to your truth today. That you would unveil and reveal God's mercy to us. Give us a greater and a deeper understanding, God, of what you have done for us. And not only that, but also what you have given us in your righteousness. Help us, help us, Spirit of God, to better understand what you have saved us from. And the great mercy that you have shown us, the great mercy, and we were so undeserving. In fact, as your word says, it says, while, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, while we were sinners, you died for us. Completely undeserving. You did the most selfless thing ever. 
pray, God, pray particularly for those that have journeyed a long time with you, God, and become familiar with this, that you would bring a fresh understanding and a fresh gratitude from the heart. And we pray, God, for those that are still new to this, God, that they would run to you, run to that righteousness that comes by faith, that removes our sin and gives us right relationship and right standing with you. I pray, God, that in this church, in this community, that worship would never be the same again. That we not only sing in the Spirit, but sing with understanding. pray, God, that we would be people that use our very beings to demonstrate what is happening internally, that it would be an external expression of our internal posture towards you, God, that we would radically worship you, unashamedly so, God, because you are worthy of it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we just uh, take two or three minutes as we're closing off? It's just to begin to give God the fruit of our lips in this place. In whatever way you feel comfortable in, it's just to begin to raise your praise, raise your worship to God. It's just to give Him the fruit of your lips. It's give Him that sacrifice of praise. Let's worship. Let's bring him a phrase, fresh worship, sweet smelling incense unto him.
Yes. 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 If you are here this evening and you just want to be all in for Jesus, you just want to be all in for Him and you want to see His mercy. So if you have in your heart and you say, I'm, I'm not all in. I'm not all in for Jesus. But I want to be all in. I want to offer my body as a living sacrifice by confessing that Jesus is Lord. And He says, you will be saved. So if you're here this evening and you want to be all in for Jesus, you just want to give and surrender everything to Him. You haven't done that. I just invite you to come to the front. Just now, just come to the front. If you feel I, I'm not all in yet for Him, I want to I surrender every single part of me. And I want to be in right standing with the King of Kings. I invite you to come to the front and we'll just pray with you here after the service. And I just want to pray over us. Lord, Father, I just thank you that May we afresh see your mercy, Lord. May we really see what you have done for us, God. God, may we be living sacrifices, God, throughout this week. Father, throughout our lifetime, just offering our bodies as living sacrifices. God, may our lips praise you, God. May we do good works, God. And may we share with others, Father. May we invite people in. So, Father, I just thank you, God, that you're inclining our hearts to you, Jesus. Father, our internal posture, God, will express externally, God. Work with us internally, Lord. Work with us internally at home, Father. May we experience what we're experiencing you, here with you tonight. May we experience that tomorrow, Lord. And on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. And again on Sunday when we're together, God only steps forward and no steps backwards thank you jesus only steps forward and no steps backwards thank you jesus god i just bless the congregation lord i thank you for every person that's here this evening god father i just thank you for your hand of protection upon them your provision lord god and we just thank you lord that we could come together and worship you tonight let's just give the lord a hand of personal praise amen Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.